It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. It's all presented by the New York Lottery. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. Hope everyone up here in the Northeast has dug themselves out of two days of just unrelenting snow. And we hope you give us a call to talk some football. We'll be joined by Michael Eisen from Giants.com, our senior writer, in, in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you, you can find the archive of Big Blue Kickoff Live and, of course, all our podcasts on the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. Of course, it's on the Giants mobile app, Giants.com slash podcast and your favorite podcast platforms. And now, Mr. Meadow, we are joined by the one and only Michael Eisen. He is the staple the godfather of Giants.com and all the written content on there. He is Michael Eisen. Michael, good to talk to you, my friend. I know uh, this is a, a a bittersweet week for you because you get to cover the Super Bowl, but your Super Bowl streak is over. Yeah, this is tough, John. Uh, I've been to 33 Super Bowls, and I uh, have attended the last 32 in a row, so uh, my Cal Ripken streak is coming to an end, and... Uh, <laughs> It is sort of sad. It is sad for me. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed Super Bowl week, and uh, I'm learning this week it's <clears throat> much easier to cover the Super Bowl when you are at the Super Bowl site. You know, it's funny because other people, and, and, and we had Paul Dottino on the show yesterday, and he pointed out that the only good thing about these Zoom calls, especially in comparison to Media Day, is that you can actually hear the questions and the answers as opposed to Media Day when you got people shouting all over the place and nobody can hear anything. Uh, yeah, that is true, but uh, for someone like me who basically goes down to talk to current Giants and right. former Giants, uh, I usually just try to get right next to whoever I, I... I need a few people for a short amount of time, so I don't usually need the big scrums around Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger or somebody like that. So for me, who has specific questions for specific people... Uh, the Zoom is hard because if the moderator doesn't call on you, you're out of luck. Well, speaking of former Giants players, Michael, OCU Minora seems to have crashed the party on multiple fronts because of all the crazy Giants connections in, in this year's Super Bowl. Uh, what was it like to uh, see what he had to say to Spags, Tom Brady, as well as JPP? Because he, he seemed to have brought back some fond memories across the Giants archives this week. Yeah, well, he definitely did. But the funniest thing to me was that uh, two days ago he spoke to Tom Brady and said, oh, Tom, I love you. I'm rooting for you. And then yesterday he uh, crashed uh, Steve Spagnola's Zoom call and said, Spags, I love you. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, I, I, they told Spags, I, I just told Tom Brady this. but uh, So I, don't, I can't really figure out who he's rooting for. Uh, but he's got it covered either way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny, you know, the Chiefs really have a decent portion of that Giants defensive team and staff. You have Spags, Dave Merritt, who was the Giants' uh, secondary coach back then. Um, and, of course, you have Sam Madison, Sam former cornerback. So uh, the, the, the Chiefs are, can really uh, kind of reach back and say, all right, well, we kind of know what, what worked on Tom Brady in games like this. Maybe we can recreate some of that. Oh, no question about it. They have uh, three uh, coaches who were part of the uh, Super Bowl Forty Two team that – I think hit Brady nine times and sacked him five times. But uh, as, as Spags has pointed out, 
incessantly, uh, a lot has changed <laughs> in 13 years. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Michael, Sam Madison was here, obviously, for three seasons with the Giants from 06 to 08. I'm curious because it seems as if he picked the best timing to become an NFL coach. He joins the Chiefs in 2019, and he gets to the Super Bowl in each of his first two seasons. From your time covering the team when he was here, how much coaching potential did you see in Sam Madison? Uh, I can't say I saw coaching potential because I'm not really good at picking that kind of stuff out. But no question, uh, when Sam was here, you could tell he was a very cerebral player and he was very good at uh, taking things that were maybe a little complex. uh, Football is not terribly uh, uh, complex, but and explaining them in, in uh, simple terms so people like me could understand them. And he was always very good about uh, trying to help not just the younger players, but all players. It's like Sam arrived and, and kind of became an instant father figure to uh, m- mostly the secondary, but really the whole defense. He, he, he's a, one of those guys that just stepped in and became a leader right away. What has Spag said when he's been asked, Mike, uh, about 2007, other than a lot has changed? Or anything that he has said about that that maybe you hadn't heard before, things that you know jog some memories for you, or maybe some things you're like, whoa, I didn't remember it that way at all? Uh, not really. You know, he just, uh, Spags, anytime you listen to him, the thing that stands out, he's always so gracious and humble about everything. And, and uh, you know, he, he just talked about... Uh, you know, what a great effort that was and, and, you know, how the key, you know, you've heard this, John, how the key was putting the pressure on Brady. You know, you had Strahan and O.C. and Tuck the first time and uh, just really, you know, getting in his face all day and how they they just emphasized that the entire week of the game. We have to get it on Brady. We have to get in his face. We can't let him get comfortable. We have to hit him, uh, you know, even when he's throwing the ball. And really, that conversation has not changed after all these years. Well, and another conversation, Mike, that doesn't seem to have changed, and this goes back to your point about how gracious Spags is with his time. When you see the interaction that OC had with JPP as well as Spags, I mean, what does that say about the relationships that have stayed intact after all of these years that, you know, these individuals have gone their separate ways, but that bond seems to be very strong even to this day. Absolutely. And um, not, not that I'm promoting a story here, but one of the stories I'm, I'm going to write for tomorrow is uh, a, a lot of these former defensive linemen like Strahan and Fred Robbins and Matthias Kikwanuka and Tuck, they have what is basically – a never-ending group chat where they just talk all the time about life. You know, I talked to Justin Tuck a couple days ago. He says, we really don't talk about football. But a week ago Sunday, they were all on the chat together, and they were talking about football. Why? Because JPP was going crazy in the NFC Championship (laughs) game, and JPP is one of their guys. So that group uh, has has remained close. They're, they're They're still teammates, basically. You know, Mike, it's funny. I don't know about you, but if you would have asked me a few years ago if I thought JPP would be sitting here still getting double-digit sacks a few years later after everything that happened, I probably would have been like, wow, I'm pretty surprised about that. But And look, it, it, it's within a system that has a lot of blitzing, so you get more opportunities. But the way he's been able to keep up his play and really helping the Bucks get where they are, it's pretty impressive given everything the guy's gone through. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, the guy plays, you know, we all know he plays uh, lost fingers on his right hand. 
He uh, last year he broke his neck. Um, you know, he, even he said, uh, you know, I should write a book. Uh, so yeah, the, he's he's overcome a lot, and uh, he's really playing at, at a high level. I mean, he's just he's he, he's had a really good year, as you said, uh, John. A, a lot of that is some of that is the product of the defense, but. I mean, you certainly can't minimize his effort and production. Yeah, I want to jump in on that too, Mike, because I thought one interesting thing, um, one of the guys that we have in the show a lot, John Ledyard, retweeted a press conference he had uh, with JPP before the last, uh, I forget which game it was this year, and he was talking about going up against a specific offensive tackle. And I was like, oh, have you studied him? How can you attack his weaknesses? And JPP's just like, eh, I don't really study the guy I'm going up against. I just kind of do what I do, and, you know, I try to win. And it kind of just shows you that JPP's always just been such like a, a natural freak show athlete, yeah. and he has such like a unique approach to the game that a lot of other people can't have and still be successful, but he can. Well, you heard what he said about Mike Remmers. Yeah. You know, he yeah. said you're gonna you'd be gonna go up against Mike Remmers in, in the Super Bowl. What do you think of? I he said I didn't even know who that was. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you. Is this the tackle you're talking about? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> he's not exactly getting a red eye in the film room. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, Mike, it's interesting because when you look at what JPP has done, how crazy it's been, how impressive it's been, I also wonder how much of a chip he has on his shoulder and the motivation now that he's back on the biggest stage to sort of prove the skeptics and the doubters wrong that regardless of what he went through off the field, that he could still do it. How much do you get a sense that that still serves as a motivational tool even as he gets ready to play the Chiefs here? Oh, I think it's a big part of his uh, success because, uh, you know, when he had the, uh, uh, as he calls it, the fireworks incident in uh, 2015, I mean, a lot of people thought he'd never play again. Um, and then you'll remember Johnny came back that year and he wore that big club yep. on his mm -hmm. right hand and everyone said, how can he play with that thing on his hand? And he still had, uh, I forget exactly how many sacks, but he was still a productive player. Um so I think there's a lot of that. And then he went through it again last year when he was in a car accident. He broke his neck. You know, people. I remember reading stories that you know his career may be over. So I think uh, I think that motivates him every day. You mentioned you talked to Justin Tuck. You have a story coming. Anything else uh, you talked to about Justin that was interesting? That's going to be in the story that you like to talk about. Uh, let's see. What did Justin say? Uh, he went on. Well, he talked about Spags a lot. Um, you know, that's always interesting. I'm, 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 I'm getting the transcript now, John, uh, <laughs> as we speak. Uh, Someone gets SeaTac on the phone. Where is he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, he talk, you know, he talked a lot about, you know, because um, JC, uh, JPP had said in his uh, interview session um, that uh, he should have gone to six Super Bowls. And, uh, I mean, Pro Bowls. I'm sorry. And, um, uh, you know, Tuck was saying he could have gone to six, to six Pro Bowls because he's that kind of player. Tuck was talking about how relentless he is, and he says, I think he makes plays that are just remarkable in some cases. Um, you know, he says, I remember some of the sacks he made. He seemed like he was tackling the quarterback, and his arms would get there two seconds before the rest of his body. <laughs> so, he, I mean, he and I, all of them, uh, you know, you talk about all these guys, how great they were. O.C., Stray, you know, Kiwi was a first-round draft choice. You know, Tuck uh, <clears throat> is in the ring of honor. None of them, as you know, 
has the pure athletic ability as JPP. I mean, he's just, as you said, he's freakish. Well, and with you listing all of those players, it speaks volumes, Mike, of just the depth that the Giants had, and Spags was able to rotate that personnel, and that's why they had so much success during that run. It's interesting because when I was listening to Spags speak to the media this week, the one thing that he brought up was, well, we can reminisce all we want about what I did with the Giants, but the game has evolved. Brady's still playing at a high level, but it's not the same game. I'm curious, when you look at what he's working with with the Kansas City Chiefs, he clearly doesn't have a Michael Strahan, a JPP, and so forth, but does he feel as if he could stick to the same principles that worked for him in the initial Giants Super Bowl of the two in recent history, or does he feel like he has to be more creative, you think, at this stage, at this point? Oh, I think he feels he's got to be more creative. You know, What's the old uh, saying? Is you know, you, you, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward, or you're standing still. You, you, you always have to evolve. If you don't evolve in the NFL, the, the game's going to pass you by. And uh, so I think there's a lot of new stuff going on there. You know, Mike, it's funny. Like if you watch Tom Brady on the field now, and you, you didn't know when you put him side by side with Tom Brady in 2007, does the dude really look any different? I mean, no. it, it really is amazing. So w- when you take a look at this now, and, and you think about that, and you think about Spags, and one thing I noticed when I went back and, and I watched some of that 2007 game is that the Giants that year in that game did a lot of what the Giants did in the regular season this year. Right? They tried to really disguise all their coverages, keep Brady guessing, do a bunch of different things irregardless of the pass rush. And I feel like even against someone like Brady that's seen so much and has been in so many of these big games, you have to make him at least think a little bit more about what you're doing to him. Because if you just throw stuff out and Tom Brady knows what's coming, he is going to pick you apart. And that's got to be probably the biggest challenge here for Spags, right? To at least make Brady take a little bit of time before he could figure out exactly what he's throwing at him. Absolutely, John. If you can make him hold the ball for an extra second. Right. You know, people say, well, what's the second going to do? Second can make a huge difference. I mean, if you just keep him, you know, not not being totally certain for an extra second, for half a second, can make a big difference, you know, in a play succeeding or failing. John, let me just tell you, looking at uh, Tuck, I was asking Tuck, who's 37 now, what he thinks about Brady playing 43 and what he's doing at 43. And, he, you know, he says he thinks it's remarkable, but he says – uh, as much as I hate quarterbacks, and God knows I hate quarterbacks, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way that I can even begin to say anything bad about what that guy has accomplished. Uh, he says, I can't say it's a miracle because he does all the right thing. He takes care of his body. Um, he probably spends a lot of money on making sure he's doing the right things. Um, <clears throat> but he's just amazing you know, with what he does. My hat's off to him. Being 43 and playing at that level, he says, nobody's done it before. So. Well- you know, Mike, supposedly it's the avocado ice cream that I think is doing the magic trick for Tom Brady. avocado ice cream, John. <laughs> Apparently. Well, it, it's funny you brought up about how Brady's playing at such a high level because when OC was going back and forth with Brady, the one thing he admitted was, hey, Tom, before the season started, you know, I was the one that was running the narrative. You pretty much benefited from having Bill Belichick around you all these years. It was New England, not so much you as an individual. And then OC watches what he did with Tampa Bay this season. And I think you could argue they progressively got better as an offense. And he seemed to still perform at an extremely high level. He threw for 40 touchdowns. So I don't think it's just Justin Tuck, perhaps, Mike. I would say everybody else on that Giants defensive line has been impressed with what he's been able to do. Oh, no question about it. I mean, Strahan talks about it on television. And, uh, you know, how can you not be? I mean, 
even if you're a Tom Brady hater, and God knows there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. You know, you have to give the guy his due. What he's done has never been done before, not only in football, but really in team sports. I mean, whoever played at a high level at 43 years old, uh, you know, 10 Super Bowls. I mean, the next, the next closest, the closest player, six Super Bowls. I mean, so he's lapped the field. You know, the guy's got 33 postseason victories. That's almost, in second place is Joe Montana with 17. He's got almost twice as many. It's unbelievable <laughs> it really, what the guys do. Yeah. It really is unbelievable, Mike. And, and you just threw out some great numbers and, and great facts there, and I think it's the perfect time for them to me maybe get a little bit of a sneak preview. Every year you put out your, you know, 55, well, this year would be 55, but every year it's the number of facts related to what Super Bowl number it is. And I guess that'll be out later in the week. Anything in there that you've already pulled, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, I apologize, uh, that you've already pulled, that you're like, wow, all right, this is pretty cool. Uh, Well, uh, you know, to me, they're all cool because I love uh, numbers that people don't. uh, Yeah, me too. But uh, I'll I'll just go through a couple. You know, uh, the two coaches, Bruce Arians and um, Andy Reid, they'll be a combined 131 years and 86. Seven days on Sunday makes it the oldest coaching matchup in Super Bowl history. Oh, okay, that's good. Uh, the previous was uh, Pete Carroll and Belichick six years ago. Um, if uh, uh, Arians wins, he, Arians will be at 68 years, 127, is the second oldest coach in Super Bowl history. Uh, the only one who was older was Marv Levy, which means, of course, if Tampa Bay wins, Arians is the oldest coach ever to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Since Marvin Levy never won one. <clears throat> That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, Brady is Brady will become the oldest player to play in a Super Bowl, and the four players immediately following him are Matt Stover, Jeff Fegels, Matt Bryant, Mike Horan. <laughs> What do those four players have in common? Kickers. They all have Giants connections. Oh, okay. I like that. Stover. Stover was actually a Giants draft pick in 1990, but never played for us. And then he went on and scored 2,000 points, 2,004, sixth highest total in history for um, the Browns slash Ravens and Colts. And, you know, Fiegels, Bryant, and Horan all all played for us. Um, Yeah. This is the 14th Super Bowl that is a rematch of a regular season game. Um, the Chiefs won at Tampa Bay in November. The um, teams that won the regular season game are 6-7 and seven in the Super Bowl rematch. Mm, okay. And, and the team, there's only one, the two teams that have played four Super Bowl rematch games, uh, the Giants and the Patriots. The Giants are four and zero in Super Bowl rematch games, so we're four and zero. We're four and zero in Super Bowls that are rematches of a regular season game, and zero and one in Super Bowls when they're not. So we need to go to Super Bowl against a team that we played in the regular season. Okay, so so next year you got to book it against the AFC West. Then is what you're telling me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, you know Brady will join. Peyton Manning, Craig Morton, and Kurt Warner is the only quarterbacks to start a Super Bowl for two franchises. You know, the thing is, Morton and Warner played for the Giants, but never took, went to the Super Bowl with us. 
Yeah, Warner obviously only had that, you know, half a year. Yeah, he played one year, and Morton was in the bleak 70s. And, you know, Craig Morton uh, started two Super Bowls. I mean, one for Dallas against Baltimore and one for um, Denver against Dallas. And lost them both. That's true. Mike, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your week. Anything else that you have coming up besides the the uh, D line and, and fact story that fans should be looking forward to? Uh, not that uh, you know, you know, John. I just wait for the news to happen and for someone to tell me what's going on, and then I write it. <laughs> well, that, that, that's not a bad way to live your life, Michael. Great stuff, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right Thanks, Mike. Care, Appreciate John. it. Bye, bye, Lance. That's yep. Michael Eisen, senior writer over at Giants.com. Does a fantastic job. We thank him for being with us. Uh, Lance, and look, obviously we've talked about this game like you know on end at this point, so we don't have a ton more to say about it, but it it just really is. I, what Tom Brady has done and the fact we get to see him against Mahomes in this game, and yes, they're not playing against each other. The defenses matter. All the other players matter. Sure, 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 sure. But obviously there's a reason these two quarterbacks have – gotten to the Super Bowl the way they have is because they are at the top of their game in the National Football League. And frankly, Brady's still doing it in a way that a lot of the newer quarterbacks in the league aren't. You know, he's not Mr. Mobility. He's doing it from the pocket and he's winning. He's showing that you can still win that way if you're good enough playing the sport cerebrally and from the pocket. Yeah, it's all about the scheme coaching and decision-making. We, we tend to sometimes overlook that because we get so caught up, John, in the names, but the common principles in play, I think, for both of these teams, you brought up the quarterbacks, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, but I think you also just need to look at how the teams are structured. Brady's got a lot of talent around him, and the offensive line, I think, has played admirably for the most part, even though they've got a rookie at one of the tackles. Kansas City's dealt with a lot of injuries on the offensive line, and they've made up for that, and I think their defense is a bit underrated if you really look at this unit from top to bottom. So that, to me, is the common principle, and then, of course, the two quarterbacks you mentioned, that's what brings it to a whole other level because there's not much of anything that Tom Brady hasn't seen at this point. Okay, he's so good at adjusting. He is so good at studying film, and if you start to fluster him one way, more often than not, he'll find other ways to beat you. And we know with Mahomes, half the battle is trying to get some pressure in his face, but Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks against the Blitz this season. So even if Tampa Bay says to itself, okay, yeah, we want Mahomes to feel us, but that's not necessarily the way that you're going to be able to contain him. You're still going to have to find ways on the back end to make opportunistic plays, get your hands on the football, and see if you can maybe create some takeaways without necessarily impacting the quarterback. So that's why it's so challenging to really figure out both of these teams. Yeah, if you get pressure on Brady, you're probably going to sack him if he holds on to the ball long enough. But Mahomes is a whole other story, man. You could get in there and he can make all sorts of moves to make you miss. So that'll be something to certainly keep an eye on. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs from the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings up to 100 times. Please play responsibly. Limited Giant season tickets are now on sale for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Let's open up the phones at 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960. And again, I'm hosting folks, so we don't have a screen caller, so I'm simply going to ask this question and then you get to talk. Caller, what's your name and where you're calling from? Alex from Bergenfield. Alex, what's up, man? How's it going? 
Doing good, man. Uh, first of all, just thanks again for you know you guys, your effort in the shows, man. I always love listening to your show. That hour makes my day. No, we appreciate that. Appreciate Thank it. you. Um, I just man, I'm hoping for the perfect storm this year. Looking into you know this off season and looking forward to next season. Uh, I was looking back at Eli Manning, you know, in his career, and I think like his second or third season, right? We we ended up uh, signing Burris, drafting Steve Smith. Um, Kevin Boss, and, you know, that, that really helped him on the offensive side. So I'm hoping that this year, hopefully, you know what I mean, if we could sign maybe a free agent receiver, but even if we don't go that route, um, you know, I'm hoping to get Waddle. I think Waddle will be the guy that, that could give us the most, like, you know, yak yards that kind of just give him the ball in space and, you know, make him kind of like the Beckham days. And then um, looking at, you know, if we don't get him, maybe Kyle Pitts could be someone who could come in who kind of reminds me of Burris. I get it, he's a tight end, but it's just he makes those contested catches, man. Like, looking back at that Packers game, you know, he really he really did his thing that game, Burris. You know what I mean? And no, we, sure we need a guy who could – yeah, you know, so we need a guy who could just make those contested catches and kind of play above the X's and O's. Um, and so let's say if we get him, and even if the second round or, again, through free agency, if we get a receiver with, you know, someone like Pitts, another receiver – and, you know, just hopefully to see if we could kickstart this offense, man, and, and get something going for we can get into the playoffs next year. No, Alex, I hear you. I would just say one thing. Be very cautious depending on rookies to come in right away and be what puts you over the top. Because as much as rookies are impact players, just look at last year. You know, Henry Ruggs had a very quiet rookie year. Jerry Judy was good, but he also had a ton of drops. He wasn't a star. CeeDee Lamb was pretty darn good. You go back to the year before, and, you know, you have to get to the, you know, after the top 50 picks before you have truly impact wide receivers in uh, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. So while it's possible to get rookies to come in and be great right off the bat, a lot of times it does take these guys some time, and especially this year with the virtual offseason, you know, that's a that that's a factor too. So I would just be a little leery of relying on rookies to put you over the top. I think there's a better chance, and again, I know the Giants don't have receivers that necessarily fit this, though I guess Darius Slayton would, are those guys that are in their second or third or even fourth year in the league that are ready to kind of take that jump? Because I think a lot of times asking rookies in their first year to be your stars and really push things for you. I mean, even go back Tyreek Hill rookie year. He wasn't a monster yet. It took him a year or two. So just be careful putting too much faith in rookies to come in and really be the backbone of where you want your team to kind of take that big jump. You know what I'm saying? No, you're right. I agree with you. Uh, maybe, you know, again, we had to wait and see how free agency plays out. But um, if they could get a, you know, number one and add a guy like, you know, one of those receivers with pits, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. It doesn't have to be, the backbone, but I think definitely they can help. So no, that's absolutely optimistic. No, Alex, I'm with you, man. You got anything else for us? Not really. Thank you so much, man. Have a great one. Hey, you too, Alex. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. You can never have enough talent around the quarterback. So, I mean, you can get it through the draft. You can get it through free agency. It's never a bad thing. It's just a matter of really, I think also the Giants want to see the players that will carry over to 2021 also continue to make strides as opposed to just a rookie coming into your point, John, and saving the day. For example, Darius Slayton was much quieter than he was compared to his rookie year. I think you want to see him get back to that level as a rookie. I think, obviously, you want to see Saquon Barkley 
return to full health, okay? He'd be another player that comes to mind. And by the way, can you have Sterling Shepard for a full 16 games? Yeah. I mean, all of those things, to me, are just as critical as anybody that you're going to bring in. Because even if you bring in an explosive player like the last caller was referring to, if they get a Jalen Waddell or they get a Kyle Pitts, hey, that's great. And, And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's a step in the right direction. But that one player is not going to be wide open on every single play, okay? If anything, it maybe helps the other players on the field get some favorable opportunities. But that also, that player, to your point, is not going to necessarily have a conventional offseason and is going to be learning a completely new offense, where it's the other guys in conjunction with Daniel Jones that are actually assuming, you know, that everything stays consistent with Jason Garrett, that they're finally going to be within the same offense for the second straight year. I mean, that to me is something that we have not had an opportunity to talk about in quite some time. That's why I'm also focusing on the players coming back, I think, are going to be even more responsible to where this offense goes moving forward than necessarily somebody that just comes in right away in year one. No, I agree with you. I think that's fair. Though Evan Ingram, too. Maybe he fixes his concentration drops. You know, what happens if he fixes that? Then all of a sudden, he's a more consistent player. Now, is he going to be Travis Kelsey for you? Probably not, because I think we would have seen that by now. But can he be a a 70-catch, 900-yard tight end if he cleans up his drops issues? I think that's, you know, on the table. I don't see why not. I don't see why that's not possible. Is it likely? I think you have to see some improvement. But, again, I think those are the guys that can really kind of step up um, and help you. Well, and speaking of Evan Engram, just real quickly here, John, that I would add to that, I think what everybody's waiting to see is he's had seasons where he's shown flashes, but then the injuries have struck. Then he's coming off a season where he actually stayed on the field, (laughs) but then to your point, the concentration issues. I think what I'm actually waiting for, just out of curiosity, is is 2021 going to be the season where the health and the concentration meets halfway? And he puts it all together because you could argue he really hasn't had that one season where we haven't been talking about one of those two facets. So that, to me, is the thing to monitor moving forward. And I realize Lance and I are saying concentration. With, and by that, we just mean being more consistent and not sure. making some of those you know mistakes and drops from, from play to play that we saw this year. Giant fans, don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. All right, let's go back to the phones. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Matt from North. Hey, Matt, what's up? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um... I don't want to be a bear of bad news to some Giants fans, but uh, I've been noticing on like um, Twitter and, or people calling in that some people really want to get to Sean Watson and they should um, <laughs> do what I believe is Dan Orlovsky said, that we should give up uh, Daniel Jones, Saquon, and three first-round picks. That would destroy this team. Because whoa, 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 time out. Did Dan Orlovsky say the Giants should trade Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and three first-round picks? Is that I true? Did he him- said that? Yeah, and oh, also wow. on some Giants chats that were talking about it said that the Giants should do that. That would destroy the team. We need so many different weapons or, or parts of this uh, for this team that we would throw that all away just trying to get Deshaun Watson. I would love Deshaun, but it just doesn't make sense. We can't give up Saquon. That's our number one weapon. I love Sterling Shepard, but he's uh, he's probably one concussion from, leaving the, um, from being out of the NFL. We still don't know if Evan Ingram's going to finally become the person, you know, we want him to be. 
Um, we have the whole problem with uh, Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson. And there's just too many. Giving um, up those picks is way too, way too costly. I believe that no matter who who would we be trying to trade away for. Look, and I think largely you're right. Um, I'm not going to try to you know put a trade together, but I think your larger point in that if you're a team that is pretty close to contending already and has been in the playoffs and you're you think that quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl and your draft picks are probably going to be you know in the late 20s already then I think packaging those type of picks and that number of picks or if you have a lot of additional picks too like say the Jets the Dolphins right it makes a lot more sense to package a large number of picks for a player like Watson Lance and I will not say a bad thing about Deshaun Watson. He's a wonderful player. He's fantastic. He's young. He's a great player. Nothing bad to say about Deshaun Watson as a player. But, uh, Lance, I'm with the caller. I think to consider, if you're the Giants, to put together a monster package with all these future first-round picks, which is exactly what the Texans would want, uh, I think I'm not sure if that's in the best long-term future of the franchise and in building the right team around them. Because, frankly, just look what happened in Houston, right? They trade away a bunch of first-round picks, and they won for a while, but eventually the talent around Watson caught up with them. And how many wins did the Texans have again this year with Deshaun Watson and bad pieces around him? Not many. Yeah, they were 4-12. and 12. Well, that, yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth, John. I was actually going to get right to that point because Deshaun Watson is still just as effective and only as effective as his offensive line, and that has been a major area of concern in Houston. They got rid of DeAndre Hopkins, and also Will Fuller was suspended, and Will Fuller's dealt with injuries, and if you actually look up the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but I know I've referenced this on tons of different shows on various platforms. Watson in yardage per pass attempt and per completion is completely different when Will Fuller was on the field versus when he wasn't on the field. It was a difference of at least five yards, and that may not seem like a big number, but it's significant when you add it up over the course of a game. So if you go down that hypothetical road that the caller was just referencing well what Watson then would come to play with is just as important as what Watson's going to bring to the table this is why see the Rams is a good parallel in this conversation John because the Rams can afford to give up a few first round picks because they had the number one scoring defense in the NFL they've done a pretty good job putting that core together they've drafted well in the secondary they of course have Aaron Donald they've got Michael Brockers and their offensive line is in very good shape so that's a type of team that could turn two first round picks into Jalen Ramsey and two first round picks into Matt Stafford and they also turned the first round pick into Brandon Cooks if you're a team that does not have the number one scoring defense you've got some concerns about the offensive line you're still looking to add some weapons on offense you give up three first round picks plus two young players on offense I think you're left with more questions than answers you get out of that trade not to mention the fact and again this is not a negative for Deshaun Watson because he's a wonderful player but he also takes up a ton of cap space right so that's also going to limit your ability in free agency to do stuff and add people around him. So you add that along with you're taking away your first-round picks. What's the way forward? You know what I mean? And I've gotten a bunch of you know mailbag questions about this and what I'm going to start doing since I'm getting, frankly, so many um, mailbag questions that I can't get to them all for the written stuff, so I'll start bringing them on the show. But I got one from Richard in Florida, another one from Damian. Uh, Dashi, Damian was not about... Uh, Watson, but Richard, it was, he wants him to, to trade 
Uh, well, he wanted to just do like a mixture of a single one and a couple mid-round picks. That's actually not going to get it done, obviously. But, folks, Lance and I cannot stress this enough. And here's the bottom line. Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman and John Mara. You will not meet three more important decision makers in the Giants organization, okay? That's it. Based on what they said after the season, they are in lockstep that next year, Daniel Jones is the team's quarterback, and they believe that he is good enough to be their quarterback long-term. Obviously, they haven't made that commitment yet. He's still in his rookie contract. But the bottom line is that next year, they every intention, and they plan, and they believe, and they've said it, he will be the team's starting quarterback in 2021. So while you can never ignore it when a player like Watson becomes available, I understand that. He's a great player. That's where the Giants are at the quarterback situation. And mortgaging the future, when you already have a quarterback in-house that you think can be the guy, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, plus you used a high draft pick on Daniel Jones, too. So, right. you know, keep in mind, and once again, this is completely hypothetical as John prefaces statements. I'm just going along with this conversation, even though personally I don't like these conversations. No, neither do because I. Because I think they waste a lot of energy and things that don't come to fruition anyway. And I think the Texans, by the way, quick side note, would be absolutely crazy to trade away Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think so too, by the way. I'm with you on that. Because when you find a quarterback like that, I don't care how many first-round picks a team throws your way, there's no guarantee you get another Deshaun Watson. So why would you want to reset the clock? when you've already found the play. Yeah. But getting back to the point, at least from the Giants' lens, I think you also need to look at the fact that Daniel Jones is still a young quarterback. You use the high pick, as I mentioned, on Daniel Jones. When you then are automatically thinking, well, we can upgrade, but you want to now turn the page on somebody that still has potential and is young. See, that's the problem, and I think a lot of teams, I'm speaking in generics here, John, run into in the NFL. It's that quick trigger itchiness that teams get, which is we can find something better. We can find a way to improve the most important position, but then what happens is you give up so much resources in return for that, that then you hurt yourself in other areas. Right. And that's where I think you have to be very careful in walking that fine line. Are we upgrading one position or attempting to upgrade one position, but then also now giving ourselves a devastating blow at some other key position? Right. And then you basically, you don't show any signs of improvement. You're pretty much staying where you're at. Right. Upgrading the quarterback is always a good idea. But if it's at an exorbitant cost that in the end is going to be a net negative for the football team, in theory, then what's the point of it? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 973-667-1960. All right, let's go back to the calls. Caller, you are on the line. What is your name and where are you calling from? Once again, I think my call dropped. I apologize. Yeah, no, Matt, I thought you made your point and we had moved on. Oh, Actually, I just have one question. Sure. Um, I know we're not. I know we're likely not going to be able to keep Dalvin Tomlinson and and uh, Leonard Williams. Um, I believe it'll be harder to find a talent like Leonard in draft or free agency. So, I believe the more prudent thing will be to sign Williams to a long term contract. I would hate to let Dalvin go, but I think that's our only choice. Is there someone in the draft that, while not being a Dalvin, might? Um, might be able to be more easily replace, replaceable. And I thank you for, for the time. Have a good day. Yeah, you too, Matt. Appreciate the comment. Thanks so much. 
Yeah, look, if Tomlinson right now, and who knows what can be he become? He's he's more of a run stopper, right? He's not a dynamic sack guy that's going to get in there and get a bunch of pressures, get a bunch of quarterback hits, get a bunch of sacks. He just hasn't done it so far when he's been in the league, right? So, you know, to me, Lance, you can always find a run-stopping defensive tackle. Is he going to be as good as Dalvin Tomlinson? Certainly not necessarily. Um, you just never know with, with that sort of thing. So that is the easier to replace player. That doesn't mean you want to let Dalvin Tomlinson walk. I don't think it's fair to say we know for sure that they can't bring both those guys back. There can be a lot of machinations done with players on the roster and the salary cap to make room for those guys. You can always figure things out if you want. The Giants can certainly do that. But it is harder to replace 11 and a half sacks at defensive tackle. <laughs> those guys just don't go on trees with Leonard Williams. Well, but you also need to ask yourself, are you getting 11 and a half moving forward, John? Too? That's a fair question, too. Okay, that, mm -hmm. that's the other part of the equation when you evaluate Leonard Williams. But I would agree with you. From a value standpoint, there's nothing to debate about whatsoever. I mean, you definitely say, hey, I'd rather invest in the guy that's going to get to the quarterback and finish, much more so than the guy that's going to necessarily open up opportunities for other teammates. W what I find interesting in this whole conversation with Dalvin Tomlinson is, you know, while we're speculating the Giants are not going to be able to afford both, Let's see what the market is like for Dalvin Tomlinson, okay? I'm not saying that he's not a good player, but, you know, do we know with certainty that teams are going to be knocking down the door to throw money the way of Dalvin Tomlinson? It's possible that the way the market plays out could be advantageous for the Giants yeah. this season. The other thing, John, that I think is important to bring up within the confines of the Dalvin Tomlinson conversation is the Linville Joseph storyline, okay? And Linville Joseph, why am I bringing him up? Well, here's a player that was drafted by the Giants, put together a very productive tenure under a rookie contract, and then he ultimately signed a five-year, $31.5 million deal with the Vikings. So kudos to Linville. He was able to cash in. But then the Giants used the draft to try to find Linville Joseph's replacement, and it didn't necessarily work out smoothly. So do you want to then go down that road again where maybe he doesn't give you the amount of sacks, but he's still a consistent staple? And oh, by the way, Dalvin Tomlinson has not missed one game since he was drafted by the Giants. Durability, to me, has a value on it. A lot of people may not look at it that way. I value durability. I don't just value production. If I know a guy I can pencil in and then pen in for 16 games, hey, that's valuable compared to the guy that may have higher upside but he's only going to be able to get in for nine games. So if I'm the Giants, I'm looking at the Linville Joseph scenario as a lesson to try to avoid that from happening all over again. Now, I'll throw this out there, or maybe you take the Barry Cofield lesson and say, well, we let Barry Cofield go, but we already draft Linville Joseph. We didn't miss a beat. So it's like it worked no, out fair. for him once, yeah. and then it didn't work out for him the next time, which is funny. But yeah, look, I think the bottom line is that a, a player like that is a little bit more you know, easily replaceable. So... That's kind of how I look at it. 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960. Big Blue Kickoff 5 is presented by the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs and the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings up to 100 times. Please play responsibly. And Giant fans, don't forget to get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants brand of debit card security features and discounts from the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC. All right, let's go back to the phones at 973-667-1960. Caller, you're on the air. What is your name and where are you calling from? Len from Columbia, Maryland. Hey, Len. How are you, buddy? Good, good. Hi, John and Lance. How are you doing? We're great. Doing good, well. Good, good, good. Um, Linville Joseph, um, 
you know, he moved on to Minnesota and went to the went you know went to the Pro Bowl two years in a row, maybe even three. Um, that was that was a tough loss for us. Sure. I, mean, no, I think we went through a we went through a period there where, where I'm I'm not sure we we valued interior defensive linemen as high as maybe we should have. Well, and I can tell you for sure, Dave Gettleman values interior defensive linemen. So don't worry, don't don't you worry yeah, about yeah. that. Oh, I think he does. <laughs> I mean, we were talking to, we're talking a different era now. I yes. mean, you know. Uh, you know, at that point, and we were in a different type of defense. We were playing a four-three, I, I think. Uh, and Joseph really, uh, you know, moved in, really inside as a, as a nose tackle or a hybrid nose tackle when he went to Minnesota. But um, yeah, my question for you, John, was always, what hasn't Linville done? Uh, yeah, you, know, you were right about is, that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm glad Lance brought up that point a couple of minutes ago uh, regarding the development of. Um, you know, current players moving from one year to the next, people already on our roster. And I think we're going to find out how good a teachers these guys are, you know, the coaching staff is, if we can see some of these people moving forward. But there's, I'd like to continue that conversation, if that's okay. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, it all starts with Daniel. Um, you know, I, I mean, I buy in. Uh, he's the quarterback for the third year, and, you know, maybe even the start of the fourth year. Maybe maybe he's, you know, two games, four games, six games into his fourth year in his career. Well, Len, the beauty thing is that we don't have to worry about the fourth year yet, so let's just yeah, worry no, about the yeah, third no, year. I know. Right. I'm just saying. I'm, I, I, I thought he had a long leash when we drafted him. Uh, especially well, after better. his first year, and he I think a, he's got a long leash going forward. Well, he, here, he's right? a sixth overall pick. He better have a pretty long yeah, leash, yeah, right? Right, <laughs> right. But but the point is with Daniel, he's it's it's time to make the step forward, which I think is what Lance was talking about. Not necessarily about Daniel, but he was talking about those kinds of players. I, sure. I, I mean, it's you know we can't keep we we can't go on into his let's just say into his fourth year and start talking about well we got to surround him with playmakers. I mean, it's 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 time for Daniel to be a playmaker. Yeah, or, but, or no, but, but let me be fair. It's quarterbacks need players around them in order to be playmakers too. You know, you don't see many quarterbacks running around with bad offensive lines and you know no big time yeah. wide receivers have a yeah. lot of success either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I got you. And, you. and you, you know, you're absolutely right. And we're not talking about. I know my favorite topic these days is. Uh, all pro players, and, and you, you know you need some of those those kinds of players on your roster. I'm I'm not even thinking about Daniel in that way. I mean he's not going to be Daniel Mahomes, but but the point is he's he's got to carry us. He's got to start he's got to start making some plays. We, we can't keep saying it's it's you know it's it's the complimentary players around them that are not letting that happen. Um, I, I, I look at that offensive line, uh, you know, and, and moving toward this all-pro status. We we got to see um, Andrew Thomas step up from the second half of the season. He, he's got he's got to take a step forward. Or, or we're not going to have if these guys. And I'm, again, I'm glad Lance brought this up because if the the guys we're talking about here don't take the step up, don't develop into better play. We're, we're not going to have Mr. Mara's significant improvement. No, Len, Len, just... Len, I think you're right. I think if you just just as an example, you look at this year, right? We said the same thing before this year. It's the guys on their rookie contracts that have to take that step, right? Well, what happened? Saquon gets hurt in week one. Lorenzo yeah. Carter gets hurt in week three. Yeah. Will Hernandez gets yanked out of the starting lineup. Yeah. Zimenez D- gets hurt. Zimenez gets hurt. Darius Slayton doesn't have as strong of a year as he had last year. So I don't think one of the reasons we didn't have a bigger jump and they only got the six wins is that that kind of group of guys 
did not make the type of step or leap you needed them to for the yes. Giants to make that jump. Yes, I would agree with that. And, you know, is Lemieux for real? I, I think it, it just seems to me all the signs indicate that the Giants want Lemieux to be that left guard. I just think he's got that job. It's not going to be Will Hernandez. And so, you know, we got we got to see Lemieux take a step. Is is Gates for real? Um, you know, we got to see him take that step up. And then on the other side, real quick, and then I'll and then I'll get off the phone. And the guy, I I just I'm just counting on so much to be that kind of player. May take a big step. Um, and maybe even move toward, if not next year, the following year, all pro status. Is is our safety McKinney? I keep saying to myself, why can't he be Buda Baker? You know, um, you know some of these young safeties. Why why can't he why can't he be like that guy in Cincinnati, whose name I can't recall? Jesse oh, Bates. Bates. Yeah, Bates. Bates. Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. He can be absolutely. It's a yeah, fair yeah. Question. Well, yeah. I, that's the guy I'm counting on. You know, if we start counting future All Pro players, that's the kind of guy who's got to get there. But uh, you know, I agree with Lance. It's 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 not always the rookies. It's uh, it's not always the free agents. It's all the time and money that we've spent on these draft choices over the last two to three years, who have really got to show that they they can play in this league. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. No, thank Have you, a Len. good day. Good call. Appreciate right. it. So Lance, I'll let you go since Len basically lauded you for the entirety of that call. Well, I mean, the one thing, though, I just want to emphasize is I know Len was saying Daniel Jones, you want to see him make the plays. But then I think when he expanded upon his point, he pretty much further sold the fact, John, that it can't just be Daniel Jones. Because, I mean, we went through a bunch of other names on the offensive line at the wide receiver position. So, I mean, we could sit here and talk about Daniel Jones needs to take a leap. I think the whole group, this young nucleus, needs to take a leap. Because I'll go back to this season, okay? And nobody's saying Daniel Jones is a finished product. But I think we get caught up in the results, but then we don't look at the context. Yep. So, you know, I don't want to continue to be too harsh on Evan Ingram, but that Eagles game, okay, Daniel Jones threw a fine football, okay? Evan Ingram makes the catch. Maybe that's an extra W. And then that reflects positively on both Evan and Daniel Jones. The catch is not made. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to Daniel Jones and say, Daniel, can you put a little less mustard on the throw? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's an example where it negatively is associated with Daniel Jones because he didn't help his team win the game. But is that an indication of Daniel Jones needs to make another play or he needs execution on the other end? Same thing with Darius Slayton. There were a few games where, you know, Slayton wasn't able to hold on to a ball that was thrown deep down the sideline. Is that Daniel needing to make a better play, or is that the opposite guy needing to execute? I think, in fairness, you have to look at it both ways. You can't just say Daniel's got to do more if he is doing enough the playmakers are not delivering. So that, I think, is important. As far as the point about Xavier McKinney, when you look at Jesse Bates— Okay, Bates became a second-team All-Pro player in 2020. Just to provide some context here, John. So that was year three, where we started talking about Bates in an All-Pro level. Buda Baker was a little bit more accelerated. Baker was actually a pro bowler as a rookie in 2017. He's a heck of an athlete. He was also a first-team All-Pro in 2017. I would say Baker is more of an outlier 
than perhaps the rest of the crew that plays that position that comes in and what your expectations are. But Derwin James would be one that, that, okay, James that did is it another, quickly. But see, James is running into the injury bump. Of course. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, and I love Derwin James. I thought that was a steal of the draft when he went 17th overall to the Chargers. But I guess where I'm getting at, I'm glad you brought up Derwin James with McKinney. Can we see him play? Yeah, you're Double right. Double-digit yeah. games, John. Mm-hmm. How about, can I at least get that before we start? And I'm not saying that those expectations are unrealistic. And as a fan, you shouldn't be aiming for that. Hell, the Giants staff wants him to get to that level. But can we at least say, how about McKinney gives us 10 games? How about McKinney gives us 12 games? And then I get an idea of, okay, McKinney over 10 games. Yeah, I could see Pro Bowl, all pro perhaps in the conversation. If you were to ask me right now, all pro Pro Bowl, I think those are ridiculous expectations when I haven't even seen him for about half a season. Well, yeah, I don't think for a second year that's necessarily a, a high probability outcome. I agree with you. I think that's 100% fair. But I think down the road, you can have that as your ultimate goal, even if it doesn't happen quickly. I'm with you 100%. And just back to Jones very quickly, and, and we'll get back to the calls. Remember, we went through it, Lance, and he actually improved in nearly every category other than touchdown passes from his first to his second year. I know a lot of people look at the results and the offense was bad. Look, the Giants offense was bad this year. It was the second worst offense in the league. It was not a good offense. And immediately people say, well, that's got to be on the quarterback, right? But if you look under the hood, Jones was really better in a lot of different ways. And the other thing, and I don't think you're on with you when I did this. I think I was on with Fiegel's, Lance. You know, Football Outsiders has that DVOA stat, right? Which kind of you know, puts all the defensive numbers and stats and situations and, and game circumstances into a big vat, and they rank defenses based on how they do over the course of the league, over the course of the year throughout the league. The Giants' offense this year faced the highest defensive DVOA of any other team in the league this year. No one had a tougher schedule than the Giants' offense. And this shouldn't surprise us, right? We talked about it all offseason. The Rams, great defense. Bears, great defense. Niners, great defense. Steelers, great defense. Go down the list. The Ravens, really good defense. There's a lot of teams on there that had really good defenses. So nobody had a tougher schedule than the Giants' offense this year. So that's another thing to take into consideration when you're looking at the overall results rather than looking at the process and under the hood at some of the individual numbers when you're evaluating a quarterback within the context of the Giants' offense. I think that's something you have to take in consideration. That's all 100%. Well, how many times, John, did you and I have a conversation before the season about the caliber of the defenses they were playing right out of the gates yeah. and that Giants fans need to be realistic in terms of their expectations? And this is not a pat yourself on the back moment, but it's no surprise the Giants started 0-5 as a result. Why? Because we were telling everybody, look at the pass rushers. Look at where those defenses were last year and look at the personnel that they lost, which wasn't a lot. And it's no surprise the Giants' new offense, virtual offseason, they struggled as a result. Now, while I think that's important, John, the one thing I will add to that is now, I don't know what's going to happen with a lot of the Giants' opponents coming up. And you know how much I hate strength of schedule. Of but course. if you just look at the caliber of the divisions that they're playing next year, it's not going to get necessarily any easier in 2021, <laughs> I guess my point is. So, you know, you are going to be tested again, which is another example of why I would argue the offense needs to take a step up. Of which course is what it does. we're talking about. Yeah. Because you can't expect, I guess my point is, John, you can't expect the defense to come down to you next season 
so that it's a little bit easier for you to get in the end zone. You have to expect, hey, the caliber of the defense is going to stay as is, if not get better. So therefore, your offense needs to take the next step yep. as opposed to other things bouncing your way. I'm with you 100%. You do that by getting better players around the quarterback, right? Yeah. That's how you do it. And you, by the quarterback also making another improvement in your number three. Hey, Giant fans, the New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct. They got the health answers you need most. Final call of the show at 973-667-1960. Caller, you're on the line. What is your name and where are you calling from? This is Charlie, Portland, Maine. Hi, Hi Charlie. Always finds a way. I had to call in. I, I had to tag team uh, Len a little bit. Hey, Lance, I think what uh, Len is trying to say about McKinney is he wasn't a fourth or fifth or sixth round pick. The guy is a second round pick. Yeah, we, we weren't arguing be, with him. And, and, and No, I know. I'm just saying, but he better be a guy who's going to make plays and who's going to be a Pro Bowl player if you're going to pick him number t- in the second round. If you don't pick him in the second round, then, you know, then fine. If he's five, six, or seven, you don't expect well, that. Charlie, I just want to say, uh, I Charlie, I just want to make the point. I don't want to do the math sure. for you, but every yeah. first and second round pick can't be Pro Bowlers. <laughs> oh, I know. But the Giants need to have a few. I, that, right, that's John? fair. I understand. I understand. <laughs> right. And the other thing I wanted to just say is you were talking about, you know, the quarterback needs all these people around him. Well, look at Watson. Look at his numbers when he had no offensive line this year, no wide receivers except for Fuller, and he was in and out of the lineup. And look at his numbers. And this guy took the team on his back, and the games they lost... They and they won lost. four games. And they, they won four games, Charlie. Yeah, but if you look at all the other games, they were in every game. They weren't, like, blown out. They lost... Ooh, I bet they you played close, about, but you lost. Ooh, do you get, like, uh, the participation for that? trophy philosophy. That's what Charlie... Charlie is my no, favorite subscriber. Saying, He's I'm preaching no, the participation. Charlie, is, we love Deshaun Watson. We have nothing bad to say about Deshaun Watson. Okay. And by the way, he had more of receivers than just Will Fuller, too, by the way. Just FYI. Randall Cobb's a pretty yeah. good player. And he had just Brandon F- Cooks. Yeah. And Brandon Cooks is a pretty Randall damn good player, Cobb's too. Randall Cobb's is, like, old, and he's... He's gone. He's not even in the league next year. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Okay, wait a minute. The individual that preaches to sign offensive linemen that have one foot in retirement is claiming that Randall Cobb is old? Seriously, Charlie? I'm just saying he's not a you know a great why has he been on sixteen different teams the last three years? He's been on first of all, he's been on three teams the last three years, but who's counting? Who cares about the facts? They're unimportant. Yes. I'm just exaggerating. Brandon Cooks had a really good year last year. He had almost 80 what catches. I'm saying, what I'm saying is Watson, Jones needs to be a Watson on this team. And if he can't be that, then he shouldn't be on this so, team. So, Charlie, so, Charlie, so, Charlie, what, what you're saying is that if you can't get a top-five quarterback, you don't want that player on the team. So 27 NFL teams should be trying to find a new quarterback is what you're telling me. Yeah, 27. And, and this year they're going to be about – 15 or 16 of them doing exactly that. Okay, so okay, time out. Okay, hold on. So I, I want to get this straight. So the, so the Cowboys should get rid of Dak Prescott. Yeah, they should. They shouldn't <laughs> pay him $40 million. I wouldn't pay him $40 million. And who are they going to replace him with? Anybody. Who knows? They can draft somebody. They can. Oh, they can draft. Oh, so, so it's that easy to find a quarterback now all of a sudden. Hey, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there. What, what I'm trying to say is Jones is not even close to Watson. And if he is not going to be a Watson, this team is knowing going nowhere. Charlie, I have a and question. Do you think do you think yeah. Eli Manning was a Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I do because he carried the team on his back. No, he yes, didn't. 
He did he in 2011? Yes, he did. He, yes, he did. He, he did for one season. That's one season. He did for one season. And by the way, he had a lot of help with the wide receiver position in that year too, by the way, just FYI. Yeah, but Eli Manning, look, he's a Hall of Famer. So let's not go no, there with Eli. Eli Manning is a, a Hall of Famer, of Famer. but but he, he but it, it but Charlie, he did not carry the team on his back by himself. Do you know why the Giants didn't have a lot of success between 2013 between 2018? Because there wasn't yeah, enough no around Eli line. Manning for them to win. <laughs> and because no, no player line, can line. carry an entire team on their back. Neither I could Deshaun Watson. That. He won four games last year. Yeah, he won four games, and look at his stats. It, they wouldn't even won those four games. And like I said, I'll look it up. How many games they were in, and you know they lost by seven points or less. Well, hold I on, I just did the math. Hold on, the Giants had okay. ten games decided by eight points or less. That's one possession. Yeah. Uh, how okay. about the, how about how about Texas? I'll bring up the Texans, but up. ten of hold on, ten of your sixteen games are decided by one possession. How are you claiming then? That's what Daniel Jones was working with this year, though. Because Daniel oh. Jones didn't finish those plays, did he? Mm. But did Watson then? But Watson only won four yeah, games. Yeah, I, I bet you Watson did. He scored, but the defense gave it up because their defense was So terrible. you're basically <sighs> counter-arguing your own point. Right, you're you're, you're now this. bringing up that the quarterback needs additional help, which is exactly what John said about Eli Manning. <sighs> so you're putting it all on the quarterback, and then you're saying, oh, well, it doesn't work out for Deshaun Watson. It's because of the defense. When it doesn't work out for Daniel Jones, it's all Daniel Jones. How the hell does that preach consistency? No, it, no, it doesn't make any sense. There is no logical consistency across his arguments. And that was not me taking a shot at Eli Manning, by the way, but I was just trying to point out— No, but you had to make that That point. Eli Manning needed help to win, too. You had to make that point. <laughs> is that my, yeah. That's my point. Well, first of all, not to cut you off, John, but you could also make an argument based on what Charlie was preaching is that the Giants should have moved on from Eli Manning during that 2013-14-15 period because he alone wasn't helping them get to the playoffs, right? You would say, well, you might as well try to bring in another quarterback under that logic. Yeah, because he wasn't carrying them all on his own. There you go. Yeah. Please. Just it's silly. Look again. If you have a chance, and you, if you here's how I look at it, Lance. If you're sitting there and you're in a position to draft a quarterback that you think is going to be like the second best quarterback in the league, and this is not talking about the Giants specifically, this is talking generically. If you have somebody that's like the 15th best quarterback, right, and you're picking fourth in the draft, and there's a guy that's sitting there when you pick, and you're like, oh man, I think this guy can be a top three quarterback, and I feel good about it, and you want to upgrade the position, go ahead. I'm not going to say no to that. Fine. You want to upgrade your position? Great. Go for it. Fantastic. But that's not what we're talking about here. Just replacing one player with another. And the idea that you can just find... How many quarterbacks do you put in Deshaun Watson's category, Lance? We're looking at Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. And is that it at this point? Am I missing somebody? Is that the five? Is anybody else in that top five right now? I Probably mean, you're talking not, about right? the mobility factor no, I just in mean, addition to the play? Just just the, the the quarterbacks you consider in that top tier, head and shoulders above that next pr- larger group. Yeah, I think you pretty much named everybody. I think that's the five, right? So that, that means you're saying that if you don't have one of those five quarterbacks and you're the other 27 teams in the National Football League, you should be, all right, I'm out. I need to pull a parachute on my guy. I mean— that's not how the league works, guys. It's just, oh, oh, you go find one. Okay, so if there are, how many of these quarterbacks have actually come into the league that are that level of player over the last 15 seasons? Like a half dozen? 
well, it's ridiculous. And here's the other thing with the draft. I mean, Josh Allen to me is a good example. Allen, when he came in, and Allen was a high first round pick, right? Accuracy issues in 2018, horrendous offensive line. He was the leading rusher running for his life. Okay, 19, we saw improvement. And then this year, it was like, wow, yeah, he really jump. started to come into his own. Sure. So it even took Josh Allen two full seasons before you got an idea. Hey, do we really want to invest in this guy? Is now the matter of surrounding him with talent the best game plan? Or do we need to explore other options? So my point is, if you look at then Daniel Jones's timeline, why would you be rushing to now make a change if we've seen other high first-round picks? Sometimes it, it yeah. takes two to three seasons before you finally see that light. I, I just I, I can't do it anymore. By the way, the Texans played it. ten games also like the Giants, <laughs> decided by eight points or less. I just did the math. Well, and the Giants won five of those. The Texans only won four. So, so there you go. Yeah. Needless to say. Because the Giants went five. By the way, folks, just if you didn't know that, the Giants went five and five in games that were decided by eight points or fewer this year which is about where you, mostly you're going to be around 500 in those games. That's just kind of how the league works, right? So the Giants were about exactly where you were supposed to be um, in those types of games. Well, and actually, the Texans only won two of those games. Oh, is that true? So that, yes, because the other wow, two victories okay. were by more than 10 points. Interesting. There so they go. only had two wins with that close proximity. Yeah. Lance, good stuff, my friend. Absolutely. And Lance it. and I will be back with Paul DeTito on Friday at noon. Tomorrow it is DeTino and Fiegels. Make sure you tune in. we got a caller on hold here, but we're out of time. we got to run. I apologize. Call back tomorrow. We will certainly get you up. Giant fans, Big Blue Kickoff was presented by the New X Series of Scratch-Offs in the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings up to 100 times. Please play responsibly. And Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our programs, including the Giants Huddle, which I'm recording a new one today with a player that was a defensive star in 2007 that has not been mentioned yet on this show. So that's as much of a tease as I'll give you. Um, you can find them all on Gi at Giants.com slash podcast, your favorite podcast platforms, and the Giants mobile app. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmell. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you the next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live tomorrow noon with the Tino and Feagles. Stay safe out there, everybody.